You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm just going to dive straight into the message that I'm going to talk about today. And I'm, not, I'm hardly even going to say an awful lot about uh, what I said last week because you can pick it up on catch up on YouTube, podcast, Facebook or Instagram, it's easy to pick it up. So I'm not going to go into it, but I do want to give a big welcome to the growing numbers who are watching on YouTube and listening in on podcast, as well as Instagram and Facebook. Great to have you with us. I'm going to quote one scripture that I did share last week. We were in Joshua 8, we're still in Joshua 8, because today is the conclusion of recovering the lost ground you and I have lost, particularly over the last year of the pandemic. And you may remember Joshua 8, 18, I'm going straight into it, where the Lord said to Joshua, Hold the spear in your hand out towards the city, for I will deliver it into your hand. They lost the ground. They failed in the battle and part of the God moment was for Joshua to take up a spear. Now this isn't quite a spear but it mimics it and Joshua held up the spear. Moses held up his hands and prayed and Aaron and Hor had to hold his hands up with him so that as long as his hands were up Israel was winning. When his hands got weak and came down, Israel, the people of God, were losing. When Moses knew the children of Israel, people of God, were to cross the Red Sea, Moses held out his staff over the Red Sea and kept it up until all the people crossed over. So it's one of those powerful, symbolic symbols of holding up the spear. And you may remember last week we were reminded, and I was finishing up with how you and I need to take up our spear. We need to go on the offensive. Not always reacting to some disaster in our lives, but being clever and going on the offensive to take back the lost ground. Someone did actually ask me during the week, do you think it's really necessary that we do this? I don't think it's necessary. I think it's essential. You won't survive. You won't if you don't take back ground that the enemy has taken from us, particularly this last year of isolation. You know what Ephesians 6.16 says? Take up the shield of faith and so quench the fiery darts of the evil one. We looked last week about putting on the full armour, including the shield of faith. You see, there's fiery darts aimed at Michael O'Donovan and at Tom Burke Mm. and at you and at your wife and your husband and your son and your daughter and your mum and your dad and your best, best friends. There are fiery darts all the time. You know the time you feel like you're going to panic? That's a fiery dart. Or maybe your sex drive is going down an avenue that it shouldn't go down? That's a fiery dart. Or some old addiction thing out of nowhere kicks in again. Ooh, that's a fiery dart. You see, you and I are going to get fiery darts no matter what happens. 
How much more, therefore, should we go on the offensive and not just be a victim of the fiery darts of the enemy coming at us all the time? You know, there's an old, old hymn, and the kids used to kind of sing it sometimes years ago, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And I get it, it's a nice thing for children, but you know what? Jesus isn't meek and mild. Amen. Yes, he's the Prince of Peace, but he's a man of war. And you and I are called to be peacehood, but we're also called to be trained for war. Spiritual battles, real war. And we have to because our future depends on this. Uh, I, I mentioned last week about a lot of people have shared with me that they've lost a friend through the pandemic. That it's over a year now and they haven't really connected with a friend and they've drifted. I've heard that from a lot of people. Some people said they don't even have the confidence anymore to chat on the phone, not to mind to a video call. This is widespread. You know what Proverbs 18 says? An offended brother or sister is harder to win than a fortified city. Joshua and the children of Israel were trying to win the fortified city of Fai. They had won Jericho, but they lost ground at Ai. And what we were looking at is coming back, taking the lost ground. If you have drifted from a friend, for whatever reason, it's very difficult to win them back. But the Bible doesn't say it's impossible. And if there's goodwill on both sides, friendships, ministry, blessing can all be taken back. Hallelujah. Amen. Would anyone say amen, amen out there? Amen. So Joshua and the people of God are about to take over the city. We left off there last time. And they had repented. They had analyzed. They had made compensation. You can read all about it in Joshua 7. But the time comes when the analysis is over, that you need to go on the defensive, on the offensive, and the place of defeat is to be turned into a place of victory. You know something more? Not only was the time of analysis over, the time of repentance was over. What time you can't say that? Yes, I can. There's a time to repent, and then there's a time to move on. Some people get stuck in repentance. And I know God is speaking to a middle-aged woman who is watching now. And the Lord is saying, you are still in a loop of repenting. And the Lord is saying, that was forgiven a long time ago. You need to get up and move on. Because Joshua and the children of Israel could have stayed repenting all the time. But God's will was that they go and they take back the lost ground and recover it. And the Lord wants you, sister, to take back and recover the lost ground. Because the time for analysis and for repentance was over. There is a season for everything. But that time for the people of God was over. So, what are we told? Well, we're going to see it in Joshua 8 now, and I'm going to continue. Let me put up one verse, um, which I didn't mention last week, before we get into just the bare text. And that's verse 9. We're told that Joshua spent the night before the battle with the people. Joshua is symbolic of Jesus. He's a type of Jesus. The name Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua, is the same name as Jesus. 
Joshua is one of two people in the Old Testament of whom no sin is recorded. So Joshua is a type of Jesus. Some people say that's the pastor that should be with the people. And yes, the pastor should be close with the people. But do not overinterpret what the scripture says. This is talking about Jesus. And if you expect myself and Michael to be spending the night with you, maybe occasionally we need to bring with you through the night. But this is about you and me being close to Jesus. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, will be with us through the darkest hour. Hallelujah. And I know the Lord is speaking that to someone else as well. You are in your darkest hour. And the words of Jesus to you is, I'm drawing near to you. Joshua was with the people on the night before the battle. And Jesus is with you and me before we go into the battle. We're going into a battle. It's going to be a wonderful battle of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But Jesus is with us through the night as well as through the day. So may the Lord bless his word and feed our souls now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Here's some more verses from Joshua 8. As soon as Joshua held up his spear, the other half of the Israelite army responded, and they came up from their position, and they entered the city, capturing it and setting it on fire. Then they went out and joined their brothers and defeated the enemy in the field, in the desert, and those left in the city. Israel completely defeated the enemy. And guess what? Joshua did not take down his spear until the enemy was totally destroyed. Then they burned I. And here's a really interesting one. However, on nearby Mount Ebal, they built an altar of thanksgiving to the Lord. What a powerful, powerful portion of scripture. Look at, look at what it says in verse 19. As soon as Joshua held up the spear, the other half of the army responded and entered the city. Perhaps it was a signal, as I mentioned last week, but it was deeper than that. There was something of God in that faithfulness. Joshua, it's not like it was a magic spear, but Joshua was obeying what God was saying. And he was holding up the spear, and it was a powerful, symbolic declaration of what was happening, like someone going under the water of baptism, like us taking bread and wine as we remember Jesus Christ, or washing someone's feet. It's a powerful symbol. And as long as Joshua obeyed, the people of God were winning, and the other half of the army started responding. You know, when you obey God, when I am faithful to God, others are encouraged and we bless others. It's not just all about hyper-individual me, the consumer. It's about you and me being a ripple effect and blessing others and influencing others when anyone say amen. amen. Those looking on in your family, your neighbours, your workmates, your college students, your wider circle of friends, they see. When you and I are faithful, when we hold up the spear and we continue to do what the Lord has said for us to do. Now, the whole of the Israelite army are coming in. We looked at it last time. 
God gave a general word, and then Joshua used his intelligence, his experience, and wise advice to organize a pincer movement within the military strategy, and that's what we're seeing here. Check out last week if you want to know more about it. But here I am going to be prophetic, if that's okay. And I'm going to go off message for just 30 seconds. Because we're told in the scripture here, in verse 19, how they captured the city and set it on fire. Now, stone me if you will, and tell me I'm a heretic. But at the end of January last year, almost everyone in the church, I don't know how many of us, well, there was certainly about 700 of us more, were just out here on the bridge that had just been opened, the Mary Ellen's Bridge, which was connecting the heart of the city to our building here in McCurtain Street, right outside our front door. I can see it out the window here. And we went out and we praised God. Do you remember that, comrade? Oh, do I we want sang with the guitar. And we prayed and we celebrated and the buses were stopping and we partied up the street and we sang God's praise out on the street and people from the street who never knew what a Christian was came into the building. It was powerful. And we saw the impact of that in the weeks afterwards. But six weeks after that happened, the whole country was closed down. There was something of the enemy in this pandemic. There was something of the evil one isolating us. You know, as I read that scripture this week, and I'm unrepentant if you don't like it, but the Lord was saying to me, you know what happened on that bridge? You know what was happening in the streets here? You who are hearing, we're going to capture the city of Cork. And we're going to set it on fire. Not physically, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Will anyone say hallelujah? We're going to set the city on fire. We're going to capture it. You might say, ah, go away out of that. We're in lockdown. You know what? Everything passes. And we have fire in our bellies. And we have yet to see our city turned over to such a degree that it is captured, like Joshua and the guys, captured that city of mine and set it on fire, may God set Cork on fire in a wonderful, powerful way. So I just delivered that word. What happened on that bridge is not forgotten. It was just paused, maybe by the enemy, but we're going to go back and we're going to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. So the people of God are out there fighting. Joshua keeps the sword up and we're told that the other half of the army joined their brothers and defeated the enemy. Does it look like you'll never defeat that issue? That addiction? That failed relationship? That money problem? That health thing? That job with the closed door? That failed exam? Well, you know, the people of God defeated the enemy together. They came together and they defeated the enemy after losing the ground. And it's very important for you and me that we can remember after a year of isolation that it is practically time that we join with our brothers and sisters. 
that you join with your brothers and your sisters. And together, we are more than the sums of our part. Mm. Together, with God's help, something powerful happens. And that we can take back our city like they took back the city. And that we can see the enemy defeated in your life and in mine. Hallelujah. So, the season of isolation, by the grace of God, is coming towards an end. And what are we told then in verse 24 that these people defeated the enemy? Look at this. They defeated them in the desert. They defeated them in the fields. They defeated those who were still in the city. Wherever the enemy raised its head under the anointing and the power of what God was doing. And as long as the faithfulness and the obedience remained and the spear was held high, they defeated the enemy. And I prophesy to a brother who is watching on today and the Lord is saying, not only will I equip you and your brothers and sisters to defeat the enemy at work and in the street, the Lord is saying to some brother and to maybe many more, the enemy online is going to be defeated. Hallelujah. The enemy online will be defeated. In the desert, in the field, in the city, the enemy, in the workplace, in the home, online, out on the street, the enemy will be defeated. Praise God. Praise God. Don't doubt it. Have a bit of faith and believe that the enemy will be defeated. Uh, just, just have a sense now the Lord is saying to someone who is really struggling financially, that enemy will be defeated. And someone has been praying, why have I struggled with poverty for so long? I'm not talking about mad claiming stuff, but I am talking about God's kindness and his blessing. And the Lord is saying, that enemy of poverty is going to be defeated in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the owner of the cattle on the cattle of the thousand hills. The Lord is our provider. Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. So the enemy is defeated. And again we see that Joshua did not take down his spear until the enemy was defeated. When we see the enemy defeated in some areas of our lives and we start seeing friendships restored as we are beginning to gather back together again as a church, don't just stop when we have a bit of victory. Let's keep the spear held up high. Mm. There are false dawns and there are times when, you know, we've had a bit of victory. Joshua wasn't satisfied until all the enemy was defeated. He didn't go, do you know what, we have the east side of high. Do you know, let the enemy have the west side. We, we'd be happy with the east side. No, 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 no. The Lord didn't say, just take a bit of it. He said, you need to go and defeat everything that the enemy has there. And so when we analyze what happened here with Joshua and the children of Israel at I, there were no halfway measures. And I sense this is the Holy Spirit saying to many of us, don't settle for halfway. Don't settle for half a marriage. Don't settle for a bit of a friendship. Go the whole way. Defeat the enemy totally. Don't see your son or your daughter only half talking to you or half recovered. See a full recovery. Not only that, they never made the same mistake twice. They learned from the first mistake. So we're talking about recovering lost ground. Remember the time you lost the lost ground? Remember the mistakes. Don't repeat them. Were you too proud 
Was I too proud to reach out to someone? I'm not going to make that mistake again. Was I too lazy to do what I should have done? I'm not going to make that mistake again. Joshua and the guys here did not make the same mistake. They didn't go on the defensive, they were on the offensive. And they turned the place of defeat into a place of victory. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Defeat into victory. Praise His holy name. Now let me come to one other part of what I want to talk about today. And I think this is vital. And I think, I know, maybe it sounds like a scratchy record. This is very prophetic. It's this strange little verse that most people don't take any notice of. Verse 30 of Joshua 8. On nearby Mount Val, they built an altar of thanksgiving. On Friday, I went to pray. I can't share the issue, but I went to pray for someone I care about who I just prayed that God would move in their lives. And I went to a place and I prayed. I was on my knees. And within five minutes, I got a text. And totally unexpectedly, it's like the Lord answered that prayer in a way I could never have imagined. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. And do you know what I did? After I finished my prayer walk, I went back to the same place and I gave thanksgiving. One in ten. Ten to give thanks. Remember if God answers a prayer, give thanks. But I think what happens on this particular mountain is fascinating. Because Mount Ebal had form. Mount Ebal had a very interesting history. It happened to be right next to this recovered ground of Ai, but Mount Ebal, you can read about it in Deuteronomy 27, was known as the Mountain of Curses. In a previous generation, Moses had spoke to the children of Israel, and you know it, I'm sure. He spoke and he went to one mountain called Mount Gerizim, right next to Mount Ebal, hanging with me. And Moses said, if you obey the Lord, you will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the country. You will be blessed when you get up in the morning. You will be blessed when you lay down in the evening. You will be blessed on the road. You will be blessed in the home. And on and on he went. But then, he then physically left Mount Gerizim, and went to Mount Ebal, and he stood up and he said, But if you disobey the Lord, cursed will you be in the city. Cursed will you be in the country. Cursed when you rise up. Cursed when you lie down. Cursed will you be on the road. Cursed will you be on the home. And on that very mountain of curses. And if you read into it, my daughter time today, Moses even separated the tribes of Israel so that different tribes were standing in front of the two different mountains. And on the mountain of warning, of curses, Joshua lay, lays down an altar and offers thanksgiving because he knew I, that city, was becoming a curse, but he and the children of Israel, by God's help and with humble hearts, turned the curse into a blessing. Therefore, they gave thanksgiving on Mount Ebal. Hallelujah. This is not a chance. This is not um, a coincidence. It was part of God's perfect plan. And part of God's perfect plan for your life is that in the place of the curse, you will give thanksgiving. Amen. Thanksgiving. 
in the place of the curse. The Bible commentator David Guzik said, it's never God's will for his child to live under the shadow or the curse of a former defeat. A former defeat. Because that failed friendship or that health issue or that job that you lost or whatever it is can be like a shadow and even a curse in your head and a curse in your heart. And as David Guzik said, it is never God's will that we live under the shadow of any curse. Hallelujah. We shouldn't live under that shadow. We should rise above it and we should see God help us through it. So on Mount Ebal, in your life, I was speaking to someone years ago who had a big struggle with alcohol addiction. But you know, they overcame that and they broke the curse of it in their lives. They were always cognizant of the fact that it could rear up its head but they would regularly on the date the anniversary every year when they stopped drinking and sobriety came back into their life they would make sure they would go to the place where they had the last drink and they would thank god that he has kept them safe they did not allow the curse and the shadow of that curse to come and follow them through life and whatever your lost ground is, and oh, there's an awful lot of it this last year. Let's remember year on year, as long as God gives us breath, that we will give thanks on the anniversary when that curse truly was lifted in your life, in your family's life. Because God doesn't want us to live under that shadow. I'm going to share one more scripture, if you can keep tuning in for another few minutes. One last scripture, and um, sorry, it's the wrong, it's the wrong scripture verse I put up, but it's the right scripture. It's a New Testament scripture, but the, the wrong scripture verse came up. But anyway, the scripture is there. I sense some people will be thinking of what they've lost over the last year, and you just won't have the energy. You won't have the energy. You feel you're not able. You feel too weak, and you know. I get that. We can feel weak and say, how can we reclaim that lost ground? How can I come out from under the shadow of that curse? You know, I love what the New Testament says. Forgive me for putting up this wrong verse. But it says, if you give up when things are tough, then how weak you really are. Or to quote the King James, if you faint in the day of adversity, how weak is your strength? Honestly, we think we're a lot weaker, or actually we're a lot stronger. God has given you strength, he's given you power to overcome, and you just sometimes, and I just sometimes forget it. What's the scripture? 24.10. Sorry, it is that. Okay, Proverbs 24.10. Forgive me, I got mixed up. Do we bad mope yourselves? I'm bad mope myself. <laughs> if you give up when things are tough, how weak you really are. If things are tough for you, and this has been a tough year, even those who've had a lovely lockdown have found aspects of it really tough, don't give up and don't think you're weak because God is our strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So brothers and sisters, as I conclude, I am going to finish off how I started with a symbolic spear held high. 
And I want you to think about all of those issues. Jesus drawing near to you in the darkest hour. How repentance time is over, you need to move on. How the enemy who is your enemy online can be defeated. Let's go to Mount Abad, the place of curses, and let's raise up a thanksgiving. Will you join me? So Jesus, we thank you today for the curses that have been lifted in our lives. Would anyone say amen? Amen. The curses that have been lifted in our families, the curses we never thought would be. And Lord, we pray that as we begin to gather as a church in the near future, as our nation begins to heal, we pray, oh God, that spiritually powerful things will happen. And that as we obey you and keep that spear raised, that the curse would be lifted off our families, off of our futures, off of our careers, our study, our relationships, our health, even our finances. Come, Holy Spirit, set your people free. And Lord, we will gather as a church community on our Mount Abad, and we will say, we remember the day on the bridge. We have a passion for this city. Help us capture the city and set it on fire and open the door of opportunity for us. Individually and as a corporate body, we leave our requests to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for watching, guys. We're not over yet. We've still got some more goodies to come. But God bless you. And I look forward to hopefully bringing good news next Sunday, we hope about new opening of doors but let's wait and see in the meantime we pray